calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Good morning, everyone. This is Trevor Van Winkle, and you're listening to Homestead on the Corner. Why is it so hard to finish a project? I know it's a question I've asked myself a lot. I'm sure everyone has stories of unfinished manuscripts lying in boxes or in this day and age on hard drives, just waiting, waiting to be finished. Sooner or later, you know you'll get to them. You know you'll finish them. And yet that later never seems to get here. In my experience, there are a couple of reasons why this happens. The most common is you just lose steam or lose interest midway through the first draft. I mean, novels or screenplays or, well, pretty much anything just seems like they'll take forever. They'll never be finished or they'll never be good enough to be released. Somewhere in the middle of the second act, you just don't know where to go. You don't know what your characters would do. So you end up going nowhere. Or rather, the manuscript goes in the bin. And even if you do finish the manuscript, it doesn't feel any good. It feels stilted and weird and just... So, so bad. You feel confident that if you could edit it down, it would be a little bit better, but editing is a chore. And no matter how many rounds you do, it just never feels quite right. It's never perfect. And though I keep saying you, I'm talking to myself here. Like most creators, I've left a long, long trail of half-finished and incomplete projects in my wake on the way to finishing the Graceland Tales and creating this podcast. My first attempt at NaNoWriMo, really my only attempt, was in middle school. I barely got into the first act. In high school, I directed a series of sci-fi short films that were supposed to culminate in an epic feature-length final installment. That never really happened. It got close, but it just didn't get finished. There are countless others I can't even think of or name at this point. But, in my final semester at college, I finally found a method that worked when I wrote the first draft of the Graceland Tales. Now, two years later, 
it's a complete novel. It's out there in the world, and I'm very proud of how it turned out. But I'm even more proud of the method I found. So that's the method I want to share with you today. Buckle up, everyone. I've got a seven-step process that is not guaranteed to help you finish your novel, but hopefully it'll be a little bit of help and encouragement along the way. And God knows all us writers need that. So without further ado, the process. Now, the first step in writing, as well as most things in life, is setting realistic expectations for yourself. Now, when it comes to writing a book or a script or a short story, those expectations usually come down to total word count. That little number in the corner of the screen that keeps ticking up and yet never seems high enough. Before you start on your creative work, I recommend looking up genre lists and word counts of novels that you're familiar with to see roughly what length you would like your book to be at. Find works that are comparable to your own in the way they're read, and base your goal word count on that. Then once you have that base word count, adjust it based on your own personal tendencies in writing for your first draft. If you tend to overwrite when you're creating your first drafts, add a good 10 or 20% to the goal word count. If you find that when you're writing the first draft you underwrite and have to add in details on the second pass, bring your goal word count down slightly. Then, once you have that goal word count in place, figure out how many words per day you roughly are able to write on a regular basis. I like to aim for the Stephen King goal of 2,000 words a day, but that's not realistic for a lot of people. Whatever that is, whether it's 1,000 words a day or 500 words a day, or more or less, be sure to be honest with yourself and consider all present and potential obstacles to getting that writing done every day. Make sure there's enough time in your day-to-day -day routine to consistently get that many words written. Or, if you can't get it consistently, make sure that you'll have enough breaks and free time in your normal schedule to be able to make up the difference. Divide your goal word count by the words per day you're aiming for. Once you do that math, you'll have a realistic goal of when you can finish your work. This method is really helpful psychologically. When you get into the weeds with the first draft, it feels like it will never end. Like you'll be writing this thing until the day you die. Knowing that at the end of a month, or two months, or however long it takes, you'll have a complete first draft, is really helpful in making sure that you stay consistent. The second step in my process is to outline. Now, I know a lot of people don't like to outline, but personally, I love it. I'm a plotter, and I prefer to know the general shape of the story before I begin. I find that knowing the broad strokes makes the fine brushwork of writing less terrifying. But how much you outline will depend on your own approach. If you want to outline and brainstorm until there's no surprises when you're writing, go nuts. However, if you want to find the story as you're writing, I'd still recommend putting together some kind of basic outline, or not even an outline at all. I'd say just brainstorm the elements that you want in your narrative. Just make a list of the cool things that you want to include, or things that you feel need to be in the story, or came to you when you first had the idea. If you get lost and don't know where to go when you're writing, just find something that fits the moment on your list and write from there. Having an outline to go back to, even if you rarely consult it while writing, really helps to keep the momentum up in the first draft. Now, step three is what I like to call the work. It's the nine to five of writing process of getting the first draft down on paper word by word. Like Neil Gaiman says in his Eight Rules of Writing, which I highly recommend printing out and putting on your wall, you need to find the right word 
Just keep finding the right word and putting it down next to the other one. Keep going until you, at the end, have a complete first draft. The most important thing with this kind of work is to be consistent. Right at your favorite coffee shop before work in the morning, if you're a morning person. Or right after you get home. Or on the bus. Or whenever you can consistently find time to yourself to be creative. Consistency is key, and I'm going to keep saying it. Consistency. But equally important is persistence. Some days of writing will be easy, usually at the beginning and the end of the narrative. And some days will be hard, like when you're slogging through the details of the second act, and you don't quite know how your characters are going to react. But no matter how hard it is, you have to keep going. A few summers back, I did a lot of backpacking with my family. There were days that were very easy. We hiked through perfectly flat meadows next to crystal clear lakes and everything was beautiful. Other days, we hiked into and out of what we called Mosquito Gulch, and we were eaten alive despite all the clothing we were wearing. However, when we were down in Mosquito Gulch, we had to keep going. If we didn't keep going, we would probably catch West Nile disease at some point or just be very, very itchy and not be able to get home. Because at that point, we were halfway there. We were as far in as we were from being out. I feel like those experiences not only influenced what I write, but how I write. It proved to me the importance of consistency and persistence, the keep-goingness to finish projects even when they're hard. And let me tell you, Writing is very hard. It requires constantly pulling on your own experiences, putting your heart and soul down on paper for other people to read. It can be nerve-wracking, and it can be very difficult to find the right emotional place to write out of. But nothing worth doing is ever easy. If we all just took the path of least resistance in life, we would have no books, we would have no films, we would have no podcasts, we would have no good stories to share with future generations, because storytelling is hard, no matter what anyone tells you. But we keep trying, we keep pushing, we keep learning, and if you can hold that in mind, you will have a finished work in front of you that you created. A story that no one else has ever heard, or seen, or read. Something completely new. Be proud of that, and work hard for it, so you can be. So, you finished step three. You've done the work. Congratulations! Now it's time for step four, which in some ways is more difficult than step three. It's the step back. Now this might seem very counterintuitive, but trust me, from my own experience writing, and from what I've read from other authors, this is an invaluable step that will greatly improve your finished narrative. At this point, you've finished your first draft. Congratulations! Celebrate! Go out to a good meal, hang out with friends, go see a movie, go hike the Andes, I don't care, do something fun. Do something you love doing. And most importantly, make sure it's something that gets you away from what you've just done. Yes, this is why this step is so hard. You've just finished your first draft. You're actually excited now. You have momentum. You feel like you're ready to take on the world with this story. But it needs work. It's still a first draft, and the first draft of anything, as a rule, is crap. Beautiful crap, sure, but still crap. It still needs to be refined. It still needs that last step, and you're not quite ready for it yet. I'm sure you feel ready, but trust me, 
right now, the best thing you can do for your story is to leave it alone for a little while. Let it sit there and let it breathe. Be patient. Don't touch it. And definitely don't reread it immediately. In his book, On Writing, Stephen King suggests a six-week waiting period before you go back to the first draft and start editing. I heartily recommend this. I didn't wait before editing the first draft of the Graceland Tales, and eventually I had to rewrite the whole thing from scratch to make sure I got enough distance. I let it sit for more like six months before I began that second draft, and at that point, like Stephen King said, it felt like someone else had written it. It felt alien and different, and I was able to be more critical. I was able to see far more clearly the problems with it structurally on a plot and character level, rather than just tweaking one word here or tightening up a bit of phrasing. Now step four feeds right into step five, Realistic Expectations, part two. When an author comes back to their first draft, there are two typical reactions. You either think, this is utter garbage. Why did I think this was a good idea? Why did I write this? Why didn't I write this better? I am terrible. I will never write anything good in my life. I'm sorry, am I triggering some people's anxieties? I really don't mean to, but it's triggering mine. Or just as likely you'll think, oh, well, this is wonderful. This is amazing. It's perfection itself. I should just send it out right now to the publishers. Whirling still read this right now. Neither of these reactions are accurate. Probably. Unless you're some kind of dangerous mutant writing prodigy, your first draft probably isn't perfect. It almost certainly isn't. But on the same token, it's not completely garbage. There might be a lot of garbage around the diamonds in there, but if you wrote it honestly and truthfully, then there is gold in them thar hills, let me tell you. The first draft of anything sucks. That's just a rule. All of this is okay. It's fine. It's the process every writer goes through. The first draft really is just getting it out there and getting it out of yourself so it's there to be worked on. Read it honestly, but read it kindly. Look for the good and highlight it, just the same as you do everything that doesn't work. Take note of the good, the bad, and the ugly. Find what you like about what you've written, and find ways to reshape the narrative to highlight those things. This is why the step back is so important. It allows you to look at your narrative from outside, to see with greater clarity what the problems are and how they could be addressed. Now comes step six, the real work. There's a common saying that writing is rewriting, and boy is rewriting a novel both the most fun and the least fun part of the process. Ask yourself, what's holding the narrative back from being great? Is it weak characters? A confusing plot? Problems with the style that you've written it in? Or something else? Now that you have a wider, more objective perspective on the work, you can see the problems in the narrative and how to fix them from a more objective point of view. What I tell my beta readers when giving me criticism is that the process of feedback and editing is not about my pride, but about the story. And that's important to remember, so that all of the changes you make are in service to the story itself. Also, having a bigger, less in-the-weeds perspective lets you see how the changes you'll make will shift the work as a whole. If one character's motivation has to shift, how does it affect the other characters they're connected to through the character web? How does a change in the events of the second act climax spin out into the resolution? Once you think you have good answers to those questions, you can try them out. You can write a second, third, fourth draft if you really need to. 
It all depends on how much you feel needs to be changed in order to get the narrative to the point where it needs to be. And remember, when you're creating these next drafts, remember to follow the same steps you used in writing the first draft. Set a limited time period to finish it in. Set realistic expectations for yourself and for the work. Be consistent, be persistent, and have faith in the story you're telling. It will not lead you astray. And now, finally, we reach step seven, what I call the hardest part. So, you've got a polished manuscript. You've given months, maybe even years of your life to this thing. Now it's just sitting there on your hard drive. You've done everything you can to fix the issues you can see, and the story feels whole and complete and almost ready. You've identified the major problems, found solutions that work, and orchestrated a beautiful symphony of words. But what if? I'm going to stop you right there. My business is words, and those three, in my opinion, are responsible for more incomplete projects than any other. But what if is the final obstacle to overcome in the process of finishing your narrative and sharing it with the world? Let me tell you, there's always something more you can tweak. There's always one verb that could be a little bit stronger, or, you know, maybe if we just moved a couple of sentences around, this page would flow a little bit better. There's always something else to try, something else to experiment with. And it's great that writers have that sense, that they want to make things as good as possible and try as many different ways of telling a story as they can. But, in the end, you do have to choose one of them. You have to decide which one you like the most and go with it. And that's a terrifying thought. This is why so many stories stay in people's heads. Because they don't have to be nailed down to one particular telling. They're perfect in their minds because every single possible way of writing it is sitting in there. Narrowing it down to a single telling is the hard work of writing. If you really don't care about getting your story out there, with sharing it with the world, then I'm here to tell you you could spend your entire life working on one novel and never release it. But there comes a point in the writing process when you're no longer making things better. You're no longer fixing problems, you're just moving things around. You're just rearranging the furniture in your living room over and over and over again, when maybe you hit upon the perfect combination a while back, you just weren't completely happy with it. Or perhaps, as sometimes happens with me, you've become addicted to the process of changing things, of working on it, of writing and rewriting. And sometimes, unfortunately, that obsession can end up making the finished narrative worse. One of Neil Gaiman's final rules of writing is to finish it. Chasing perfection is like chasing the sunset. Let it go and move on to something else. No story that any of us have ever read or ever seen is perfect. The reason that Cinema Sins exists is the fact that there are always flaws. But eventually, every story has to be done. One of the hardest lessons to learn in writing is you have to trade perfect for done. And once your story gets out there and finds its audience, no matter how big or small it is, it becomes perfect because of the audience's love for that. Because readers thrive on the story and learn from it. They find the parts of it that resonate with their souls and latch onto those for dear life. I don't think it's an overstatement to say that some stories have saved my life, have given me the strength and the courage to go on, or inspired me that there is beauty in the world. You just have to know what to look for. And if you get your story out there, if it finds that kind of connection with at least one reader, then it is perfect in that way. It is perfect to one person. That makes a story worth telling, worth finishing, and worth sharing with the world.
Thank you for listening to this episode of Homestead on the Corner. Today's writing advice episode was written and produced by Trevor Van Winkle and features music from the perfectly imperfect Lauren Baker. Want to learn how to let go of perfection and just put things out there? There's no better example to learn from than social media, where you can find me on Twitter and Instagram as Trevor underscore VW. Actually, that might not be the best advice. Even so, send me a line telling me about stories that have changed your life and your own personal writing process. I'd love to hear from you, and hopefully we can all learn a little bit from each other. Our next episode will be another short story, a polar sci-fi rom-com called Worlds Apart. I'm really excited about this one, so be sure to follow the podcast so you don't miss it. If you want to help us get this show out into the world, warts and all, there's no better way than rating and reviewing us on iTunes. Well, that's about all for now. From the homestead in the corner, have a great day, and keep writing. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.